0: Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight. This is one of the most important days of the calendar year for us. Even though we celebrate Jesus every day, we have a unique opportunity today just to revel and remember the goodness in our Savior, the goodness of our Savior, and taking the punishment in our place. Um, many times, people want to lighten the idea of the punishment that Jesus took. So I remember when the Passion first came out. Does everyone remember that? There was a big controversy that it was too violent, it was too bloody, it was too gruesome. But the cross was that bloody, it was that gruesome, it was that painful, it was that violent. You know, when we think of what Jesus has commanded us, he says, remember The blood that I shed, remember the body that was broken, remember the punishment that I took for you, remember the pain I endured. And that's what I want us to meditate and focus on today, to really remember the suffering of our Savior, because it shows us two main things. There's many things, it's very complex, but I want to focus on two things. It shows us the seriousness of our sin. That the Son of God, the divine one, the holy one, the sinless one had to come to earth and lay his life down to pay the punishment not for his sin but for our sin. Secondly, it shows the ferocious, ferocious grace of our Savior and the love that he has for each one of us. So I want you to feel that today. When someone sacrifices for you, when someone pays the price for you, when someone suffers for you, it shows how much they love you. And there's no greater suffering, no greater pain, no greater sacrifice that could have been made. So let's focus on this text today. You know, many people ask, why they call it Good Friday and we we'll celebrate the murder of somebody? Right? That's pretty messed up. Not really, when you think about it. We celebrate the murder of our Savior. And even saying that, that carries some weight to it. We celebrate the murder of our Savior because it pleased Jesus to pay the price on our behalf and because we needed him to give his life so we could have our sins atoned for. And also, he was given the name that is above all names. He was given the name that everyone will bow their knee to. So let's read this scripture right now in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 3, 4, and 5. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. So the first point I want us to really hear and think about right now, it should amaze us, it should shake us to the core, that Jesus was defined and revealed as a man of sorrow. That he actually says, I was acquainted with grief. Meaning that grief was his companion. That's what that means. When you're acquainted with it, it means it's your friend. That grief was his friend. That the sinless one came to the earth. And this should show us the darkness of this world. This should show us the sin that pollutes our souls. The sinless one, God himself, comes to this earth and they esteem him not. The darkness hated the light. So what did it want to do? It wanted to put the light out. That Jesus, the perfectly loving person who never sinned in thought, attitude, or action came to earth and our response as human beings was to esteem him not and to crucify him. What does that say about humanity and human nature? I want you to think about the seriousness of that. Because we all say, oh, if someone just come save us, if we got the perfect candidate, the perfect person, we'd all follow him. No, we wouldn't. We crucified him. That shows you the heart of man there. And I want us to take note of that. People are not good at their core. Oh, they're really good if you get down deep inside. No, we're miserable. We're miserable. And that's the gospel, and that's a good thing to know because Christ saves us from that misery. Most people have rejected Jesus in history. You know, today there's roughly 2 billion people who believe in Jesus, but most people through history have rejected him as Savior. And there was a small group of people who believed in him Yet that spread throughout the world, and we'll talk about that more on Sunday, how that spread through the power of the resurrection. You know, Jesus was filled with sorrow most of his life, and we're going to you know, focus on that today as a man of sorrows. Jesus wept. He was grieved. When he came, the religious leaders were oppressing people. Do you know how much grief that would have brought him? They were oppressing widows and the fatherless. They're supposed to be stewards of God's house and stewards of his people. And they're oppressing. You know how much grief that causes him? He comes to the city Jerusalem. He looks at this city, and he begins to grieve and cry and weep. And I want to read this to you so you see how Jesus was a man of sorrows. In Luke nineteen forty-one through 45, I'll just read it. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you on every side and tear you down to the ground. You and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. He's grieving as a man of sorrows because the people he chose. All creation was created through Jesus. He chose to reveal himself to the Hebrew people, to the nation of Israel. They sent prophets, many prophets. What did they do to the prophets all through the Old Testament? They killed them. They stoned them. They persecuted a high majority of them. And then you figure, let's send the Son of God. And what do they do? They pin him to a cross. And he weeps with grief over the people he loves and he's given his life for. Do you guys hear that there? Rejection is some of the most serious emotional pain you will ever fear in your life. I'd rather be punched in the face than get rejected by someone I love. Can I get an amen? amen? Everyone feels the weight of that. Imagine the rejection that your Savior Jesus felt as he looked at his people who he loved, who he created, who he sacrificed for, and they said, You are a blasphemous. That is powerful. That is reject, he defi- rejection, he defined himself as a man of sorrows. And I want to bring that up so it causes you to rejoice in your king more because he paid the price, but also so you understand what it means to be a Christian. You know, as a pastor, one of the most important things I ever learned was that as a leader, I was going to be a man of sorrows. Of course, to a far less degree than Jesus ever was. But I understood that the road I was called to travel was going to be full of rejection. I knew that people would come in, you invest your life in them, you love them, you you hope things happen, you try to give them counseling, you bring them to the Bible, you're there for them, you take them out to dinner, lunch, and know what? One day they might just say, I don't want any part of Jesus, I don't want any part of the church, I don't want any part of you. Do you know how hard that is? That never gets old. I've been doing this for 10 years. It hurts every time. Every single time. But as a Christian, you are called to invest your life, sacrifice for people, and they will reject you sometimes. And you will be called to be a man or a woman of sorrow. See, this throws a lot of people off because depression comes in our life, we get scared. Oh my goodness, I'm depressed. Oh I'm excited. Oh my goodness, I'm anxious. If you travel the load of Christianity, you're going to be depressed sometimes. You're going to be anxious sometimes. It all equals joy. Do you guys hear me? This is why a lot of people don't follow the road with Christ. Because in our culture, everyone's afraid of anxiety, depression, and being down. If you follow the road of Christ, you're going to be sad sometimes. We started the murdered Savior who was sweating blood in the garden and crying out and weeping and grieving over the people he loved. To follow Jesus is to suffer. And I want you to understand that. Because too many people are trying to live on all, I'm <laughs> There is no, you can't live life like that. That's part of the ingredient. You're going to have times you're happy. But if you're following Jesus, you better deny yourself and follow him and adopt the same mentality of being a man of sorrow, woman of sorrow that lays down your life for people. Hear that today. That's Christianity. That's servanthood. That's the example that Jesus set. So we established that. He's a, a man of sorrows that caused us to walk on that road. He bore our grief. He endured rejection. He was defined as a man of sorrows so that we could be saved. <clears throat> he endured the cross so we didn't have to re- receive the punishment that we deserve. <clears throat> have you ever asked yourself... Who punished Jesus on the cross? This is a deep gospel truth. Some might initially say, well, it was our sin that put him there, right? And that's, there's truth to that. <clears throat> but we didn't inflict the punishment. Who poured out their wrath on Jesus on the cross? God the Father. Now, this is deep. You're mysterious. You're going to have to unpack this. If you haven't studied it, you're going to have to unfold it. But we'll get into it a little today. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are so holy, but we'll focus on God the Father right now. They're one in essence. There's only one God, but distinct. One God, but three persons. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and we talked about with the Holy Spirit. God the Son willingly came to die for us. Willingly. This was foreknowledge. This was part of the plan. The whole trinity is part of the gospel work. God the Father is so holy that part of his character is, if you're holy and if you're just, you have to punish wrongdoing. Do you guys understand me? This is like, if you had a perfect police department, perfect, they lay out laws and the consequences for the law, and then someone murders someone in town and they just laugh, ha <laughs> someone kills somebody. They're not just if they don't bring punishment. How much more a holy God who set laws of sin and laws that dishonor him and hurt others, if we sinned and he didn't punish it, he wouldn't be perfect, therefore he would not be God. You guys hear what I'm preaching? His character demands that he has to punish sin. Who should have got the punishment? Us. See, we take sin too lightly in our culture, I'm telling you. We don't even rightly define sin anymore. And you hear me say this all the time. We call it mistakes. I made a mistake. I'm a good person, but I made a mistake. No, then you sinned. You sinned. It's okay to say that in the gospel. The beauty of it is that Christ died for your sins. But hear this. People come to me all the time with this one. I'm sure you've heard it. What if someone is a good person, but they're part of another religion, and they worship another God or another God, they don't worship God at all? What happens to them? Are you telling me they're going to hell? The person doesn't even understand the question they're asking if they truly understand sin. Because the basic foundation of the Ten Commandments, what is the first and greatest commandment? Jesus comes out, I mean God comes out and he reveals who he is and he gives the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. So if your definition of good has nothing to do with worshiping the only one true God, your definition of good is garbage. You guys hear me? If someone is not worshiping the one true God, they have committed the greatest sin. So it doesn't matter in your little moral relativity world if they're good to people and bring groceries to poor people. Do you guys hear me? I'm going to preach heavy tonight because I want us to hear the weight of the sin so we can hear the weight of grace. We don't understand sin, so we look lightly at people worshiping other gods when God says, I'm a jealous God. And it gets into the text even more, and people never hear this. And I'm going to heavy today because I want this gospel to be heavy. I want it to be fiery. I want you to fear a God so you can understand how ferocious God's grace is. God not only said, Thou shalt not worship other gods, He said, If you worship other gods, a punishment will be on you and up to four generations of your children. Do you know that kind of fear that puts in me when I was having kids? I said, it matters what I do because my kids could be affected by my decisions. It matters. That's how serious it is. But in our culture, we laugh at stuff. We laugh when people commit on morality. <laughs> Everyone do, does it, no big deal. No, that's why Jesus had to endure the cross. We laugh at light stealing and, and greed and all kinds of um, corrupt talk and all. We laugh at those sins. Because we don't understand sin is anything that in action, attitude, or thought that is contrary to the law of God. What did Jesus do when he came? You had all the commandments, like 300, you have the 10 that helps us focus. Everyone thinks that Jesus lightened everything. He didn't. He said, you heard, I'll give you one with lust. You heard if you look at a, you know, if, you heard if you commit adultery or uh, immorality that it's a sin. I go deeper. If you do it in your heart and your mind, it's a sin. You heard that if you strike someone violently and unjust, that's sin. I say if you do it in your heart, it's a sin. Jesus brought it deeper. So I want you to understand the seriousness of sin that Jesus had to pay the price for. I don't want Restoration Road to be a place where we take sin lightly. Grace, grace is supposed to be meant when you get picked up, when you fall down, not to give you a license to sin. Because what put Jesus on the cross was our sin. But God had to punish, God the Father had to punish someone for my sins and your sins. And all that wrath is poured out on Jesus on the cross for sins he did not commit. Do you guys understand the weight of that? That's the gospel right there. Don't let that get old to you. Your filthy, my filthy, disgusting, heinous sins that people know about and people don't know about was poured on Jesus on the cross. You ever ask yourself, why did he cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time, he had felt in his human part, being fully God and fully man. He had felt the motion of separation from God the Father because of the sin that he took on of ours. Do you understand how cosmic that is, guys? That's yours and my sin. And he took the punishment. And he was the propitiation, meaning the object of God's wrath for our sins. It's a good Friday, right? It's a good Friday because He took the punishment, so we didn't have to take the punishment. That's why it's good. That's why we say grace. That's why we say there is no hell for anyone who believes because Christ took the punishment that was supposed to be ours. What is hell? No one says that in church anymore. It's almost like it's cuss word, right? I feel like I'm cussing up here. What is hell? Hell is a place where you're punished for your sins. You get what you've always wanted. You're separated from God for eternity. If you didn't want God here, you don't want him in eternity right? You get what you want. C.S. Lewis famous say that. People always say, you're people go to hell? They didn't want God here. Why would they want him in eternity? Hell is a place where you get punished for your sins if you reject Jesus. Heaven is a place for sinners who put their faith in Jesus and they call it the great exchange. Our filthy sin goes on Christ on the cross and his beautiful imputed righteousness comes to us so we're innocent before God and have relationship with him. Do you understand the power of that? I'm getting excited up here. <sighs> it's healthy to have a fear of God. Does everyone agree with that? Problem is, no one understands sin anymore. Therefore, they have no, they have no fear of consequences because they have no fear of God. But what really helps deepen the gospel and helps us to understand the weight of the gospel is we understand that our sin was so deep, but God's grace was more powerful in overcoming my sin through the cross. You'll see in this text a beautiful thing. You'll see the correlation between his pain and our, benef- our benefit peppered all over the passage. So what does it say? He was pierced for what? Our transgressions. Does everyone know what a transgression is? A transgression is a breaking of the law, but it can be you don't even know. You don't even know you broke the law, but you committed a sin. Now people crack me up. They feel like if they committed a sin and didn't know about it, it didn't count. Is that awesome with people? You're like, I didn't know it was a sin, so I'm good, right? No, man, you should check the law. (laughs) You got to check the law. You got to see what God says about it. Don't just go into life. I didn't know. I'm not going to get punished. No, a transgression, whether you know or not, you betray God's law, it deserves punishment. An iniquity, it said, and listen to this word, he was crushed for our iniquities. That word crushed always hit me. The Son of God was crushed for our iniquities. Now, iniquity, I don't want to really say any sin is more serious, but this carries some weight to it. Iniquity is premeditated. When you know something's wrong, and you still do it anyways. You say, I know this is sin. I'm still going to do it. I see it coming. I'm going to plan to do it. That's iniquity. It says he was crushed for your iniquities, for my iniquities. He was chastised. To bring us peace. Chasmatizement is seriously punished to bring you and me peace. Because let me tell you what sin does. It takes away your peace. Anyone have, ever had have a sin that they feel like I can't be forgiven for? And it weighs on your mind. Many people are sleepless because sin is weighing on their mind. And people tell telling you it's everything else. They really are. They're saying, oh, you just need to do this and that. You might need to repent. You might need to Repent. Because sin will mess with your conscience. Sin will have you irritable. Sin will have your emotions messed up. Sin will mess you up. But Jesus was chastised so that we can have peace. Know what brings me great peace? I know I'm a filthy sinner that's saved by grace. And I know no matter what I do, I can't be perfect. And when I lay down at night on my bed, I sleep like a log. Sleep like a baby, that never made sense to me. The baby cries all night. <laughs> I sleep like a log. That wasn't always the case. When I thought salvation was by works, there was a little tossing and turning. But when I understood the, understood the grace of God, all of a sudden, I had a peace in my soul because I knew every sin was forgiven. I want you guys to hear that today. If you're plagued by a sin in your life, probably no one knows about it. Because of the work of Jesus, you are absolutely forgiven. It isn't forgotten and it's cast away. Hear that truth. That means that I'm right with what I'm saying to you right now. Hear me. Let this be the day where you allow yourself to be forgiven by Jesus. That's a beautiful thing right there. And finally it says, By his wounds we are healed. In the healing they're talking about here, I don't think it's directly talking about physical healing, even though it has some implications in that. But you know what had to be healed more than anything in all human history? The relationship between God and man. Jesus healed that relationship through his work on the cross. With every wound, with his flogging, with his beating. He was unrecognizable. You guys got to understand how serious this is. And the fact that he did nothing when he could just call down angels and crush everyone shows the deep love of Jesus. He says they couldn't recognize. He ripped out his beard, crown of thorns, rejected, mocked, ridiculed, flesh off his back, probably some bones exposed, driven through, so much pain that he needed someone to help him to the cross. But through those wounds, through that pain, we are healed. And I want to share this last story with you in closing. Because let me share the story with you. I was in gym when I was younger. It was about 6th, 7th, 8th grade. I could have been 5th grade. I don't know. But you guys remember those big mats they had? They were blue. They were like 20 by 20, but they folded over. So there was a game that broke out. You jump on the mat like 20, 25 kids. And before everyone threw the mat over, you had to get out of the middle. I thought I was fast. I dive in face first. Just freedom. You know any kid, you just die places. I dive in there face first. I don't get out. They slammed the thing on my head. Just my feet are sticking out. I'm sandwiching this mat. Do you understand? My face is in there. I'm like, psh, psh, trying to get air. I said, I'm gonna die in gym class in fifth grade. You guys don't understand. I'm still claustrophobic from this incident. I said, I'm going to die in gym class. You know what I heard? I think someone's going to help, right? No, the game continued. I just could hear kids jumping up on the mat because that's what you did after. Like 25 kids jump on the mat to squish you in the mat. I'm thinking in my mind, I'm dead. The weight's too much. I hear more and more coming on. And I could distantly hear my gym teacher yelling at people. Like just muffled because I thought I had a few breaths left in me. And he said, get off. He's throwing kids off. You could hear him. And he lifted that off. And I took the deepest breath I've ever taken in my life. Because I thought I was die, gonna die. The weight of all those people was lifted off of me. The reason I share that story in a light way is because in a very serious way, that's what our sins do to us. We feel totally bogged down by our sin. This sin got me. This sin I can't get away from. I'm guilty for this. I can't get away from this. I'm I'm never going to be forgiven. Some of us believe that God's never going to forgive us. That weight, we're suffocating. We feel like more and more is jumping on. And Jesus comes and pays that price. He throws that old school 1980s mat over. And all of a sudden you can breathe again. Did everyone feel that when the gospel first happened to them? Where they felt that weight lifted. They felt like they had breath. They felt like they were forgiven. They felt like that grace was ferocious. So as much as we talked about that sin being so serious, God's grace is so much more powerful than even our sins that weigh us down. Do you guys hear that? And that's why this Friday is so good. Because we can breathe the grace of God. We can know that not only are you saved, but you're loved in an unbelievable way. That God looks down at all of us now and he loves us as a father loves his child in a perfect way. Amen? Do you feel that loved by God? The cross should make you feel that loved by God. So, Restoration Road. All our sins have been paid for because Jesus took that punishment. You have been given grace upon grace now. Jesus was suffered, he suffered and he was broken so that we could receive salvation. Let's live in that truth today. As we continue to sing, let's sing totally forgiven and enjoy the glory of the gospel. Amen.